Welcome to the Hacking Your Health podcast with Ben Kenning and Dave Kennedy. Two guys heading out to hack body, mind, business, and beyond. We are here to provide a single source, bullshit-free guide to understanding your body and how you can live better for longer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. I am Ben Canning. I'm Dave Kennedy. And this is Hackney Health Podcast. You've just got done working out, I can tell. I did. I did. I literally, um, I was sweating it. You know, you know when you uh, had like a meeting at like 11, so we're doing the podcast at 11 today. And um, you know when you have like a meeting coming up and you're like sitting there working and you're like, shit, I still have like seven sets to go and I only have like 15 minutes. You're like, you're screaming through it. And uh, I get done at like literally 10.50. And I walk upstairs, which is literally 10 minutes ago. I walk upstairs and uh, go to get my pills, you know, for the morning, like my, my multivitamins and everything else. And I literally can't get my hand to get to my mouth. So my hand is like shaking like this. And I'm like putting my, my lips to my, my hand and they're like falling off. And I'm trying to get the, the pills in my hand because my muscles are so exhausted. So it was definitely a solid lift. Uh, it was um, back and biceps today and uh, did a new uh, lift that I hadn't done before, which was the Smith Bar Row, which I really liked a lot. Um, so that was a... A solid movement, uh, but very good, very good uh, exercises today. And I did, um, I PR in a volume today on rack pulls, so that's always a plus. Uh, so all in all, was, hey, fantastic day. Nice. How, about you? How, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I um, I haven't trained yet today, but I'll potentially train after this. It's meant to be a rest day. Whoa, but whoa, I mean, whoa, whoa. Poten- potentially? Yeah, well, it's meant to be a rest day. Okay, but I, like, okay. I'm feeling good. I'm like, I could go and get a push session in. Like, it's, I could definitely do that. Um. But no, it's been good. I've been doing a lot of work. Um, Wait, are you are you saying are you saying that you break your own rules on rest days and go lift? No, it's just with the potential that I I may miss. A, it's like banking my rest days in case I need them the rest of the week. So so basically, what you're saying is that you're going to break your rest day, <laughs> and and the day that you're supposed to rest, you're going to go and lift. But then you sell, you say to us all the time, just rest. Don't don't actually go and lift. I still go lift anyway, but. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just preempting the fact that I might have to take a rest day later on in the week. Due okay, to so you're, you're, kind of, you're kind of mixing up the days a little bit. Yeah, okay. yeah. So you're not going to do mean, like I'm... two push days that you're not supposed to. An extra push no, day. I'll still I'll still do the same amount of training days that I'm supposed to across okay. the week. Okay. I'll just do them okay. on different days. All right, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Is that okay? Cause, yeah, because if you were going to do that, then I'm just going to go lifting seven days a week. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, aside from that, it's good. Um, just i have been standing here doing people's check-ins today which has been good um just a lot of cool stuff going on with everybody and i'm just really enjoying and actually i know that this isn't the topic that we're going to speak about today but i think down the line we should probably do a entire episode on how to sort of manage and navigate travel because i know a lot of you guys obviously yeah. travel for work or whatever else but we'll talk about that different time yeah but aside from that's, that i'm good that's I have any issues. yeah 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 that's awesome yeah injury wise uh been good like literally zero zero complaints uh you know little sore here and there but other than that i mean training's been absolutely fantastic and uh you know man loving it loving now, it i i need to ask so like from memory without going and looking at your sheet the the schedule for your cardio is just talking about not sticking to the plan two orange theory sessions and two 20 minutes on the bike 
Yeah. So I just want to know why you have a total of 180 cardio minutes. Oh, I, must have, I, I must have miscounted. I must have, mis- I must have miscounted. <laughs> I didn't. I did not do an extra orange theory. Okay. I did. I did some low impact bike on Sunday just to like get myself moving a little bit. Mm. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I might have went a little bit over. A little bit over. <laughs> but anyway. Apart from all that, apart from neither of us sticking to the actual plan, do you know what? I think it, I mean, there could be a lot of uh, worse off things that we could be doing. At least the thing that we're doing is to better the quality of our life and our health. So we'll take that. We'll take that one. Take it. We'll take it. I'm dying to my last four anabars as well, just FYI. Uh Oh, I'll have to send you a whole new uh, package of those. Well, I was just going to come over and get something. That's probably easier. That works. Hey, I like that even better. That's even, (laughs) even better for we go work out at, at bold gyms. Like we could do like back in my place and then go do biceps at the other place. And then we could like switch around, just do like two different gyms and get our lifts in. And that'd be fun. Yeah. 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 We could do it. You know, what's interesting. Uh, you sent me that video yesterday around the dude that was basically like spreading his lifts out over the entire day. Like, you know, so like, who do you like? I'm surprised you haven't done this already so, today. So I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Um, I've been contemplating. I'm like, well, what if I just do like, you know, bicep curls or tricep curls or something like that, you know, throughout the, the whole day, still on top of what I'm already doing. And wonder if that has like any type of major impact. We kind of, cool. right. So for context, for context, there's a guy that I follow, uh, on all social media platforms. Alex, Alex from Musea is basically, I mean, he's a relatively young guy. He started off with gyms and I actually think his thing was, he was basically going in and taking over gyms that were failing and then making them succeed and whatever else. But basically he owns like a whole portfolio of companies now, whatever. Um, very straight talking guy, but he is jacked like he is a unit always he's in good a big shape. Guy. always in good shape always rocks in like denim shorts and like you know like a flannel shirt and just doesn't the sort of guy who just doesn't give a shit but anyway the, the clip was an experiment quote unquote that him and a guy he went to college with did whenever he was younger where basically they just spread their lift out over the day so instead of working out for 60 minutes they did six 10 minute blocks so basically every 45 minutes he would have went and done three sets of whatever the exercise was. And he said, along with that, he went super, super low fat, almost no fats um, in his diet in terms of nutrition. And he said that that is when he saw the most gains. Now, from a practical standpoint, probably not the one. I mean, maybe whenever I used to work in the gym, that would have been absolutely ideal, but the only heaviest thing I have here is those two kilo dumbbells. So I don't think it would work for me right now. Yeah, well, it was interesting about what he said too was, the conversion between carbohydrates and fats and fats of fats, which is, you know, fat has a literally a hundred percent almost retention rate. So if you eat one gram of fat and you don't use it, it's going to be stored as fat. Whereas carbohydrates, there's a conversion method there from carbohydrates that you don't use to fats, which, you know, burns off a portion of that, that gram of carbohydrates. So it's not a one-to-one of what you're storing from a fat perspective. And what he was saying was, you know, obviously if you're cutting out fat, don't have a lot of fat storage, you're sitting there burning carbohydrates throughout the day through, you know, 10 minute sessions, and you're continuously putting your muscles under stress, which makes sense. Um, you know, it, it uh, increases your ability for for muscle hypertrophy or growth. Um, what I thought was also, you know, so if, if you couple that, and you look at some of the science around blood flow restrictions, it's kind of similar in nature, to where you're putting your muscles under a long endurance type of stress, and you're restricting blood flow um, to that, you know, specific muscle group. Uh, which, you know, I actually just got done doing blood flow restrictions. If you haven't checked them out, they're like little cuffs that go around your shoulders. Um, and then the sets are basically sucks. It really sucks. But you go lighter weight uh, and it's 30 reps, then 15 reps and 15 reps and 15 reps. Uh, so total of four sets, 30, 15, 15, 15. 
Um, and I'll tell you, by the end, you were screaming in agony that, you know, you don't want to do anything. Like I, like, I, like I said, I couldn't put my vitamins in my mouth to, to get my hands up because my biceps had hit. But, you know, but the, the, BF, the blood flow restriction science behind it has shown um, almost twofold in muscle hypertrophy growth um, but based on doing blood flow restriction type uh, activities, both on arms and legs. So I'll use it for like more isolation groups like biceps and triceps and most recently, unfortunately, uh, my legs that Ben programmed in. Um, but, uh, you know, similar concept where you're continuously putting your muscle under strain throughout the entire day um, and uh, putting it under a much more much more amount of same amount of volume, but spread over throughout the day that your muscles are basically continuously under, um, you know, tension uh, throughout the day. I think that's a kind of an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I'll let you be the test subject in this because you can just so my only, like go. Good my only stuff. question is, so like, okay, so I just did biceps today, right? You know, would I would I spread out triceps instead throughout the rest of the day, like just do ten, and then like maybe alternate them on the days that I'm doing those specific muscle groups? Because I, I I'm I, I, would I fatigue out my muscle? Like if I did if I did let's just say five more sets of biceps throughout the rest of the day today, is that going to impact or hinder recovery um, and growth? Um, by shutting down that process, because I w- was listening to the Huberman's Lab, Huberman Labs podcast on the muscle hypertrophy thing, it was like a masterclass in that. And one of the things that took away was, if you lift, let's just say you lift biceps one day, okay, and then the next day you lift biceps again, it actually shuts down the production of repair um, and focuses on you know strength, you know glycogen store uh, recovery and things of that effect, to where you may be losing gains by hitting that muscle group every single day. Um, he said, you know, you typically want to have a 48 hour window before hitting other muscle groups, 48 hours or more um, before hitting other muscle groups and staying within that, you know, 10 to 20 to 30 rep window per, uh, sorry, set window per muscle group, you know, throughout the week. Um, and that will, you know, maximize the amount of gains that you have for, for muscles. So I thought that was really interesting, like 10 being the bare minimum, you know, you want to have at least 10 sets per muscle group per week being the bare minimum for muscle hypertrophy and anything above that's just, you know, gravy. Um, so what, you know, my question is like, if I, so if I decided to do biceps and triceps every single day, you know, just 10 sets, you know, and I do it, you know, for 10 minutes, you know, throughout spread throughout the rest of the day, does that, you know, shut down my ability to gain as much muscle as possible? I don't know. I think from my understanding of what he was talking about, he basically just took the workouts that he was doing. So like, you've just done your workout there and just spread it throughout the day. So it yeah. wasn't that he was doing, you know, more specific muscle group on top of it. So I think it would be like you'll go and do three sets of incline bench press and then 45 minutes later, you'll go and do three sets of bend over rope or whatever it is. And you just spread your workout through the day. I just like the caveat, anybody who's listening to this, would not recommend this in any way, shape or form. I just thought it was an interesting um, point. And I can imagine that the, the food that he had to eat to have like minimal fat was absolutely awful to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, I don't know. You'd have to be like eating some really, um, You'd have to be eating pretty much yeah. white fish or something right. similar to that, and like, I don't know, rice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I I don't know how you would do it. Um, I mean, don't you can do like maybe I least, see if I can find it. I'll be able to find it. Chicken, chicken, and rice probably would be the big biggest one there because there's not a lot of fat in but rice, even, not a lot of fat in chicken. But like, I mean, if he's trying to go like super low fat, I wouldn't even go with with chicken. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Anyways, it's it'll be interesting to see if that something like that works. I, you know, um, and, and again, you, there's different ways of. Oh, and this is not the topic we're talking about today, but there's different ways of of hitting your muscle groups. There was a uh, someone in the WeHack Health um, Discord server that has uh, bad sciatica, and his doctor recommended um, don't go super heavy on you know squats or deadlifts. 
And, um, you know, one of the ways that you kind of get around that is pushing more volume instead of the weight itself. So, you know, you have what are called uh, fast twitch and slow twi twitch fibers in your muscles. And each one of them retrospectively handles, um, you know, different types of, of things that happen um, uh, within within your muscle group. So, like, for example, uh, when you're looking at, at uh, doing um, like heavy, heavy, heavy lifting, that's going to, um, you know, increase your strength, you're going to hit a certain type of, of, of fiber. Whereas if you're trying to do longer term, uh, it's going to be more endurance and things like that. So slow twitch fibers are going to be the ones that are more endurance. And those are the ones that actually grow large for, for muscle hypertrophy. So like when you see people with big muscles, they're hitting the slow twitch fibers, whereas fast twitch fibers are ones that you're hitting that are going to be your strength. So that's why you see a lot of people like that are like power lifters. They're not massively huge, but they are freaking strong as hell, right? Like they're stronger than anybody else. Like Dom's a great example. He's, I think he's kind of like the guy, one of my you know trainers uh, um, that trains my kids. He's a big dude, but like he's not like exploding on the muscle side. But he is powerful as hell. Like the guy is, you know, deadlifting six fifty whatever, you know, and he, he doesn't look like it. Like he could deadlift six fifty because he hits those 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 different muscle groups, those fast twitch, twitch uh, uh, fiber groups more than he hits his slow twitch ones. So, you know, if you're looking at, at how do you get more muscle and you can't go heavier, you can always do more volume, which will increase your slow twitch fibers, which grow your muscles. You're not going to be as strong, but you will definitely have the muscle physique that you're looking for um, on that front without taxing your back or, you know, anything else that, that comes to that effect. So fatiguing your muscles um, on the endurance side will, will, create those slow twitch fibers and that muscle hypertrophy that allow you to grow those muscles large. Whenever I was over at Dom, he was doing a deadlift session and he was like 10 sets of two reps. Who the fuck wrote this? <laughs> like, that, like it's like 10 yeah. sets of two reps with like yeah. two or three minutes in between. Cause it's all just yeah. about the strength and the power, whatever it else. Is. It's all about um, power. Yeah. So Alex and Mosey, I found the, I found the article, Alex and Mosey gained 35 pounds in six weeks. Naturally. I'm sign me up. I'm in already. 36 gained pounds in six weeks, 35 pounds in six weeks, 35 yeah, yeah. pounds in six weeks. Oh my God. How's that even possible? I mean, and naturally, I mean, how's that possible? I don't know. I, I'm, so I'm basically three days. I'm calling three days unnatural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely no three. trembolone or a deep ball or anything like that involved at all. <laughs> Three days on, one day off for the entire 42-day training cycle. Estimated training session duration, three hours. So this is when it was split up across the day. Yeah. Um, but the bit I wanted to look at, obviously, was his dad. So meal one, uh, two-thirds two of a box of mini-wheats with skimmed milk. Meal two, entire box of pasta with tomato sauce, tomato fat. Meal three, chipotle bowl, rice, black beans, pinto beans, tortilla. Meal four, egg whites, half a carton whey protein, one scoop, oats, as many as necessary, as much as necessary to reach 800 grams of carbs and honey. 800 grams of carbs? Oh my God. <laughs> that's all I had. <laughs> I don't know that's, if I'm just not like... Yeah, I don't know about that. I'll, say, I'll send you the what, link. And that Chipotle bowl, there's no protein in that? It was just, it was just no. literally rice, pinto yeah. beans, black so beans. So that's, and... obviously, that's how, obviously how he kept the, um, the fat the down. Fat and he, he would basically it, supplement his whey. Yeah. I'll send you a link here so you can have a look at it. I mean, the, the pictures, you can tell. I mean, oh, he's 35, skin 35 pounds. Like, All right. A, that's yeah. it. We're taking six weeks off everything that we're doing. We're just, that's it. We're, <laughs> just, doing, we're, just, we're just doing this. We're just doing this. Well, you know, um, one of the programs you had me on originally when we were transitioning between kind of the um, traditional lifting cycle to that power lifting cycle was the German volume training side. 
yeah. which I thought was really cool. Um, and there's some good studies on German volume training, which is basically lower weights, higher sets and reps, uh, or yeah, higher sets and reps um, that is spread over you know a period of time throughout your, your workout period. So I was doing like you know like for example squats, I was doing ten sets of ten reps, um, you know which sucks horribly by the way, but you're doing it lighter weight. And I did notice a pretty substantial increase in muscle mass um, as I was going through that program too. So there are different ways of attacking muscles um, and, and changing your program is also, I think, very beneficial over time so that you're hitting your muscles in a different way or switching to different types of exercises that attack your muscles in different ways. Um, you know, I will probably do something similar to German volume training, I'm sure, once we're done with this, um, just to kind of take a space or a break or a pause away from, you know, the normal lifting and, and get back to it. Obviously, there's deload weeks, which are really important. So as you get through a, a, a pretty intensive cycle, giving your nervous system and your, your muscles uh, time to, to recover and to kind of shock them back into normality, uh, taking a deload week, which is, you know, usually either completely cold turkey for a few days or, um, you know, doing a fraction or percentage of what you would typically do from a weightlifting perspective to give your muscles a little bit of a break. So it's all kind of, it's all fascinating. It's like cool how our, our bodies work and how much information we know about our bodies that allow us to adjust uh, and push ourselves kind of to that next level and overcome those hurdles that our body puts in front of us uh, to, to get stronger, to get faster, um, to grow more muscle or to, you know, get the desired results that we want to. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think the, the main thing, it's the same sort of thought process as, as any diet, like you don't have to get married to one way of training. Do you know what I mean? There's ways that you can pull things from other training plans and whatever else to build out your own one. So even like, if we talk about German volume training as an example, obviously the idea of that is to increase the overall volume. It's in name, yeah. increase the intensity. So it's quite strict in terms of it's 10, 10 sets of 10 reps with a 60 second rest in between. Now, whenever you're on your eighth or ninth set, that 60 seconds is rapid. You basically rack the bar, gather your, get your breath, get your thoughts together and go, oh shit, right, I have to go again here. Um, so it in increases the intensity and obviously the goal is to build endurance and strength along with it. But it doesn't mean that if, for example, we felt like there was a, an area of your body that was lacking in terms of development, or we felt like there was an area specifically that was holding you back from progressing somewhere else. So for example, if we felt like your hamstrings were weaker and that was what was holding you back from increasing your overall deadlift volume, there's no reason that we can't take elements from German volume training build it into your program around your hamstrings to make sure that it's getting more volume and anything else to go to, to gain the strength in that to then help you with your overall deadlift. So it's just about a bit, it's about understanding that there are infinite ways to do this. There are infinite ways to program and understanding the benefit of each one and how you can sort of pull it together and build your own one. And I do, I do it quite often. Like I'm not always, you'll do upper, lower, upper, lower, or I'm not always, you'll do full body. Like you maybe do upper, lower, full body, and then push pull, depending on what we're trying to achieve or what your goals are or what your body looks like or what sort of phase that we're in. So it's the same, same idea as not getting married to one specific way of doing nutrition. Yep. So that gets us onto the topic of body recomp, which, you know, I think is um, a great topic for people to understand. So, you know, to kind of set the stage, everybody here uh, has a different body type than one another. Um, and, and typically you're kind of classified into the way I like to do it is like three different types of body types. So like the more of a smaller frame, skinny build, more of like the medium set build and more of the larger frame builds, right? And each one of them comes with pros and cons and obviously weight, height, uh, genetics uh, play 
you know, rolls into how your body is structured and how you look. Um, so, you know, there are different types of body types that we have and ways that we have to overcome certain hurdles to get the desired results that we want to. Um, obviously, I'm a taller person. Ben is a taller person. Thank God he was tall. If it was small, Ben, I wouldn't I wouldn't be on this podcast anymore with him. Um, but uh, just go go sit me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got a podcast today. Cool, cool. I'll be there. No, not showing up. Would you have just like uh, got out of the got out of the car at the airport and walked right past me? Yeah. <laughs> you just see you like wave at me as I, at the airport, and I just drive past, look at you, and I keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously would never do that, but. Um, yeah, yeah, probably would have. But uh, uh, no, <laughs> body recomp is, is really focused on um, understanding what your body type is and what you want to accomplish. And I think it's a it's it's a really complex subject to understand because I think everybody's like, hey, I need to lose thirty pounds. I need to lose fifty pounds. I need to gain twenty pounds. I need to gain thirty pounds. Pounds has no relevance whatsoever into what your body comp actually looks like. It's a barometer of understanding. Hey, am I on the right track for a certain direction that I want to go to? But ultimately, you have to figure out. You know, what are my desired goals? And those absolutely obviously can change over time uh, as things go along. But for body recon for me, and especially being six foot four, um, it's a longer process than somebody that's five foot five. You know, muscle development, uh, you know, adding on muscle uh, is much faster for somebody. It's not, let me rephrase that. It's not faster. Um, it fills in faster because there's less space for somebody to have to fill in muscle. So if you're five, 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 six, you'll look bigger faster than me at six, four because of how much muscle I really have to put on to spread the the length and everything else for my arms and my legs and my freaking calves and, you know, everything else that goes along with that. So, um, so, you know, when you look at, at the goals and, and, and I, I'll kick it over to Ben here just a second, cause he's kind of the master at the understanding goals. And he, I'm, I'm sure you get like a wide plethora of like, Hey, I want to look like this, or I want to look like this. And, and looking like this isn't the right approach. Um, it's what are your, what would make you happy you know, as an individual, both mentally, physically, aesthetically, and everything else. And then let's set some real expectations around how you get there and then start to build that up. So just before I, I kick it over to Ben, for me, when I first started, you know, I was in the categorization of, of skinny fat, right? So I was 6'4", uh, I think I was, what, 215 pounds or so, um, 215, 220 pounds. 210. 210. So... You know, and, and, and again, I, you know, I've gone through my story before, but I was starting to lose control over my weight. I didn't understand why I kept gaining weight and why I didn't have the body type I wanted to. And, you know, I was going to Orange Theory, you know, four times a week and I was lifting here and there and I still wasn't getting any desired results and I was still gaining weight. I didn't understand. And, you know, body recomp is one of those things where, you know, you have to understand your body, but also understand the data that we have available to us today in the 21st century to be able to pull all of those together to make informed decisions about the direction that you need to go. And again, obviously a trainer can help with that, but there are obviously tools available that you can start to get a baseline. And I want to share a really quick story. I was talking to somebody that I know uh, recently and um, you know, they were, I think, uh, you know, 5'11", uh, about 205, 206 pounds, and they wanted to get down to 180. And I started explaining to the individual, I said, Hey, you know, you know, why 180? First of all, like, what's that, what's that mark for you? What's that mean for you? And he's like, well, I think that should be a good, desired weight for you. He's like, I want to put on muscle too. I'm like, okay, just, just so you know, when you put on muscle, it has to go somewhere, right? So, you know, you can shed fat, but you know, obviously, um, muscle weighs more than fat. So, you know, it's going to be a slower process to get down to that 180 and get the bites if you want to, but body recomp as part of that is, is definitely possible. It's possible to lose fat and gain muscle at the same time, as long as you do it very methodically and very controlled. Don't put yourself in a thousand calorie deficit, uh, you know, a day, um, make sure you're getting adequate protein and you have to know 
what is my barometer going to be for for you know the scale? Am I expecting to lose about a pound a week or so, which would probably be about average of what you want to accomplish in that type of situation? And then what does that mean as far as my training programs that support that muscle growth and how am I protecting muscle growth when I'm in a uh, caloric deficit with adequate amounts of protein? So, you know, again, body recomp is one of those things that, you know, whether your objectives are to gain muscle mass in a controlled fashion and not put on a ton of body fat or vice versa, those are things that you all have to kind of take into consideration, start at a base point and then adjust accordingly um, based off of the data that you have available to you. Yeah, so just the elaborate on like what I actually I'm talking about whenever I say body recomposition. So whenever and we had this conversation again at the very start, it's that period you go through at the start to basically change your body's composition. Is that fair enough? We're on the same page though? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. And the reason that I do that is because ninety nine point nine percent of the population could do with losing some body fat, let's face it. Um and the sort of idea is twofold. Number one, it's gonna get your body into a better position that then when we do actually begin to push calories and push build a muscle, let me just go with Discord here. Um, push calories and push build a muscle, it gives us more room to grow into it. So the less body fat that we start with, the less or the, the further away the ceiling is when we're gonna be carrying too much body fat again and, and body composition is jeopardized again. Um, the other thing is it gives us an initial sort of period to learn habits, build the routines, build out sort of what your what your day-to-day -day or what your weeks sort of look like without it being too extreme either way. And what I found recently is once we sort of nail that and we've really got the habits locked down, it's much easier for me to then manipulate just the numbers than trying to do it all at the one time. So if we spend six weeks in a very slight deficit, trying to strip off some body fat, you get your protein under control, you get your hydration under control, you get your recovery under control, everything's under control. And then we go, right, okay, well, we want to take this a little bit further in whatever direction it is. It's much easier for me just to go, right, I'm going to play about with these numbers rather than you trying to learn a new habit or learn something else and add it on to it along the way. Um, the thing about your body, and it's, I'll, I'll use myself as an example here because it's probably the opposite of, of the majority of people listening, but because I was always skinny and wanted to be bigger, I remember going to one of them, it was actually Callum, the guy that sort of taught, I guess, taught me everything. Um, he was like, the best way to make you look 10 kilos bigger is to get you five kilos lighter. So if you can strip away the body fat and present the muscle to see the muscle, yeah. and you'll notice yourself, whenever you get leaner, you feel like you're getting smaller, but you look like you're getting bigger because yeah. you can see more muscle. So more muscle definition, the more that you can see then sort of go into it. Muscle is more dense than fat. So a pound of muscle versus a pound of fat looks entirely different. So whenever you are talking about body composition, sometimes your weight can just stay the same. And that's why it's such a shit show whenever people are so focused on the weight. So if weight sort of stays the same to me, in a sense, that's good because if you're building muscle in terms of you're getting stronger and you're losing body fat, if your weight's staying the same in terms of the muscle is growing at the same rate that the fat's coming off, that's good because if you ever, if you Google pound of muscle versus pound of fat, like the difference in the two is insane. So it's a good position to be in. It's something that if you're at the very start of your training career, or at least taking it seriously, you'll make the most progress in building muscle and losing body fat at the same time. As you sort of go through your training career, even me now, eight years in or whatever it is, it's much more difficult for me to do 
at the same time. So I just have to commit to doing one or the other. As I said to you, you know, even even working with James, we're going to do two weeks maintenance. Then we're going to do, I think, six to eight weeks outlined in terms of a fat loss or a recomposition phase for that exact reason. Get me as lean as possible, strip off as much body fat as possible, and then we're going to just push calories as far as we can actually push them. Um, in terms of different body types and whatever else, as I said, again, thankfully I'm tall. Um, but I was always like skinny fat. So even whenever I first started, I don't know if I've ever sent you my first ever before and after pictures. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> I'll, I'll find them. I was skinny fat in the first one. In the second one, I was just skinny, but I had visible abs and it looked like I had shoulders. So to me at that stage, I was fucking jacked. I trained for like six weeks and I was like, oh my God, I'm superhuman. But I was still, <laughs> I was still very, very skinny. Um, and then from there, I just sort of, the majority of the time stayed stayed relatively lean going through all the growth processes and stuff like that yeah you can definitely tell the difference between you know somebody that has stripped away uh, a large amount of fat I mean, even look at your um your shoot picture your photo shoot pictures for for trainers right when you first started you know you're you you look jacked as hell um but you're relatively skinny um you know so and you look at you now you've obviously probably doubled in size as far as you know from originally those 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 photos so you know, it's always this this constant put on muscle, you know, try to add as much muscle and then shave off the fat so you look good, right? And that's kind of the fun part about it. But, you know, I think that that is a process that requires uh, trust in yourself, uh, trust that you won't re resort back to old habits. And so I think, you know, you have to start off somewhere and say, hey, I'm going to strip off this fat first while doing resistance training, you know, build that muscle up because you don't want to give away you know, six months of, of stripping off fat and not, not building everything. Oh my gosh. Said, That's crazy. That's crazy. Said, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. <laughs> dude, the tan makes a difference, dude. Let me tell you the tan too. Yeah. You know, you got a tan going. Looks, looks, looks so good. Um, except for me, I can't tan, but, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when, when you're trying to, to do this, you know, the, the first step of this is your total daily energy expenditure. How much energy do you, uh, consume on a regular basis. Okay. So we've talked about this a lot. You can go to, we health. If you go to the calculator section, it'll help you with that. And it's pretty spot on as far as, um, general rule of thumb on, on how much you should do. And it'll give you Build what up. you need for a surplus, what you need for a de uh, deficit, what you need for maintenance. Okay. Those are the three key concepts that you need for body recomp. Okay. Then from there, it'll give you calories and it'll say, Hey, you know, to lose an adequate amount of poundage per week, let's just say it's a pound or two. Per week, you need to be, you know, in a 200 to 300 calorie per day deficit, which if you know, if you obviously multiply that over seven days, equates to X amount of calories, which equates to X amount of poundage. Um, now, again, if you are in too much of a deficit, your body will definitely start to eat away at your muscle um, and uh, you're going to have a, a tough time keeping muscle mass on. So you, you want to do this slowly and you want to do it gradual over time. Okay. So you know, start off the first two weeks, let's just say your total daily energy expenditure is 2,500 calories for maintenance. You know, start off the first two weeks at like 2,300, you know, or 2,200 at a very maximum. And take a look at that and say in two, it's gonna, by the way, I also want to say, um, when you start to switch your diet around to be protein centric, digestive tract process uh, problems will start to happen at first. So like, for example, uh, you might be backed up a little bit, not to get into TMI, um, but, you know, so you will actually potentially gain some weight the first couple of weeks that you switch to more of a protein-centric diet. So don't freak out if that starts to happen, okay? 
Um, you'll definitely, it'll clear itself out. Your body get used to it after a couple of weeks, literally clear itself out. Uh, it'll be used to it after a couple of weeks and then, you know, start to monitor after that. So give yourself a good two weeks, three weeks um, at that calorie count when you first start going into this. And then, it, you know, start to see, hey, am I dropping a pound or two a week? Um, and if you're not, then drop it another 100 or 200 calories per day and then start to see, does that hit your mark? And then again, adjust accordingly so that you're losing about that pound or two a week. That's that's typically what you want to do. So for, for me, you know, me, I take my weight calculation and, and weight calculation, by the way, um, needs to be done at the same time every day. I heavily recommend when you first wake up in the morning, when you're, you know, fresh, you know, you, you know, ready to go, um, haven't put a bunch of food in you, you know, exactly at that point in time, you can keep that barometer the same for, for that weight. And measure yourself as little and variables that. as possible. Yeah. The way I would describe yes. it, as little variables. So if you wake up, go to the bathroom and weigh yourself, generally it's going to be the same. So there's no nothing you haven't intaked any water or taken in any water or any food. So that's as as little variation in your day as as possible. And there will be times, you know, where you know, hey, you know, like bowel movements, things like that, haven't been consistent or things like that. So your weight may fluctuate a little bit, um, you know, during those periods of time. But at the end of the day, that's going to be as close as you possibly get. Um, to those specific uh, measurements. And so again, you know, when you start looking at that and you start shaving those off, once you start getting to that pound or two, you'll start to, to cut that weight off. Now, here's the thing though. As you start to add more and more muscle mass, you will consume more and more calories. Your body needs those calories to go. So if you start losing too much amount of weight, you know, exceeding that two, two pound per week or so uh, metric, you want to start to increase your calories slightly to you know ensure that you have enough muscle mass. It's just that delicate balance between those calorie marks um, that allows you. And again, not everything's a perfect science. You know, you're going to be over and under calories. You know, certain days and things like that. It's not like you're eating the exact same food, exact same portion size every single day. So there will be variability there. But you know, keeping an eye on those specific pieces will allow you to slowly shed the fat while maximizing muscle gain during those periods of time. Um, it's, it's the exact opposite, obviously, for muscle gain uh, and, and gaining weight. So for me, I'm in it. We're at a maintenance right now, probably around maintenance right now. But um, we're going into the surplus side of the house where, you know, slowly increasing. 35 pounds in it's six, six weeks. weeks six weeks. Oh, my God. Carbs. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, uh, realistically, uh, you know, a pound or two gain per week on that same side is going to maximize muscle growth now. Probably half of that is going to be fat. So, you know, you are going to have a byproduct of fat as you go along, which is why, you know, you, you maximize and build as much muscle as you can and then eventually go into a, a deficit and start to shave off that fat while still building muscle and start to show that definition uh, of what you want. So it's it's literally just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But when you're first starting off with it, you know, shaving it off so that you can demonstrate to yourself, hey, I can do this. This is something that can regularly um, – you know, as far as tools are concerned, equip myself with to be successful for the rest of my journey. These are the things I need to do to be successful, strip that body fat off while building muscle. And then once you get to a point where you feel confident in that, you know, start to increase your calories, start to build that muscle back out again as much as possible. And then, you know, repeat and rinse, rinse and repeat as you go along. Yeah. And that's, that's literally what it comes down to. It just comes down to, and I, I say this all the time, like I'm not a wizard in any way, shape or form. You are a wizard. No, 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 there's no question. You're a wizard. You're a wizard. (laughs) Right. Like I'm a modest wizard. And I think at the start, it's for me, it's just about finding a baseline of where we're at, adjusting numbers and seeing how your body responds. Obviously over time, when we correlate data and we have like the best thing about this and having the data is 
if I wanted to go back over the past 85 weeks of check-in sheets and know exactly how many calories you have eaten in the past 85 weeks, I could do it because I have all the data here. I don't know what I would ever need that number for, but I could do it because I have the data. So it's about finding the baseline and adjusting and seeing how your body responds. As you said, as you go up in weight and as you start to build muscle, you should never have to go as low with your calories because your output will naturally be higher just because yeah. there physically is is more of you. And actually just an, an interesting point, and I know that we don't generally focus on weight and I know that he didn't mean it this way, but it was just a different, uh, I guess, perspective on it. So obviously, as we know, I have this fear of being under 100 kilos now because I feel like I'll be skinny Ben again. Whenever I was having my call with James, I said this before we came on, he was like, you know, where do you think you are body fat percentage wise? And I was like, I don't know. I've never, ever had my body fat done ever. And uh, anyway, long story short, sent him across the, sent him across the photos and he was like between 18 and 20. I was like, geez, give a guy a complex, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but he was like, he basically put in my weight and he was like lean body mass. Like if we wanted to get you, you know, shredded, this is what we need to do. We could take you to like, 87, 88 kilos. And I was like, fucking hell. Like if I was 88 kilos, like I would feel tiny. I would be shredded. Yes, absolutely. But he's literally just going, this is your body weight. This is your body fat percentage. This is, you know, it's 20% of this. So we need to lose this to get to this. I'm like, oh yeah, well, I mean, that makes complete sense whenever you break it down like that. Um, but yes, so going through those different phases of, okay, right, fat loss, take you to here, gradually build your calories up. And it's just a case of observing how your body responds. It doesn't necessarily always need to be about weight. You'll look at your metrics too. And the main one is you'll look at your photos. And if you start to look at yourself visually, yeah. you think, right, okay, I'm starting to lose my abs here. I'm starting to gain a bit too much weight. Let's pull things back here. And once you start to get to know your body, and we've done this before, like you can go a bit more extreme in both directions. So like if we're going to do a mini cut, I'm not gradually going to take you down by 50 or 100 calories. I'm just going to take 400 calories off you and we'll get and get it out. It'll be shit yep. for a while, but then we'll come out the yep. other side of it. Um, but that's, that, that's one important that's one important topic to understand too is is when you're cutting calories, the first few days suck ass, but then after that your body gets used to it and you're, you're, it's normal. So again, don't freak out. You know, the first, couple of days just be headstrong, and then after that your body's like, all right, fine, it's cool, we're good. And but then if again, caveat to that as well, it depends what level you are in tune with your food and your calories. Yeah. Because for me, you know, again, we've spoken about this before. Um, you know, if if you're smart about adding the calories on the way up it's easy on the way down. So if you start to add things that are fats like oils and nut butter and yeah. butter and whatever else, it's easy to take those out. And to take 100 calories away of fat is easy because you could take a tablespoon of olive oil out. Whereas if you start to take it away from carbs, you take it away from a protein source, you start to notice it really quickly. So again, that just comes over time. It just comes knowledge. And it's not like I'm going to, if I take 400 calories away with you, you almost see that as a, an entire meal. Um, but it's just, it, the, I always say, and I've started to say this a lot on initial sort of discovery calls with people, the greatest gift I can give to you and the rest of the guys and anybody else is the knowledge that I have of my body with your body. So spend the time to collect the data, understand what works, what doesn't work, understand that, okay, this is how long I can actually stick to a strict deficit for, and then I need to come up out of maintenance. Like I know myself, whenever James asked me, are you sort of person that likes to take a little bit longer in a fat loss phase and do it a bit more gradual or do you like to quote unquote suffer for a short amount of time like i suffer for a short amount of time because i know that the ends and say if you tell me it's going to be 16 weeks i'll just get i'll not be interested where if you go right we can do this in eight maybe i'm like right, okay i can commit the eight weeks of doing that but again just from doing it and going this doesn't work for me that does work for me and it just it literally just comes down to 
having the data, having the understanding of yourself and just gradually building upon the knowledge of your body and how it responds to things. Yeah. And that's, that's the, that's the cool part about this is that, listen, we all know everybody's body's different, right? You know, there's, um, you know, studies that have shown people that are typically skinny, it isn't that they have a higher metabolism rate. There are some genetics there, obviously, but for the most part, it's because they're typically bouncing their knee. Like people that bounce their knee burn like a thousand more calories extra a day. No bullshit. It's like literally just by bouncing your knee all day long, you'll burn a thousand calories. It's not because, you know, of, of the strain on your body. It's the thermogenics that is occurring for those muscle fibers that have to continuously twitch and it increases, you know, the temperature in your body as you're going through and doing this, which incorporates, you know, increasing calorie burn. So like people that are just twitching and moving around and are dynamic and do all those different things typically burn more calories than not. So again, everybody's mannerisms, things that they do, their daily habits, what they eat, you know, those all play a factor um, in, in how we are built and how we live and everything else that goes along there. So, you know, the system is flexible for everybody um, based off of, hey, if you're skinny, if you're overweight, if you're in the middle, you know, to get those desired results and body recomp to be able to support you as you go along. But again, I can't emphasize enough that uh, uh, protein intake and understanding to get enough protein uh, is is probably the most fundamental important thing that you have to remember as part of this. So obviously getting your calorie intake is, is important, but your protein as you're going through this, especially if you're in a deficit, um, is going to be extremely critical for you to ensure that you have enough adequate protein for your muscles to rebuild. So you don't lose, um, those types of things. So, you know, for me, uh, again, you know, I'm probably in the same type of body fat percent percentile as you've been, you know, I, I stick around the 220 to 240 grams of protein per day. Uh, my body weight being about 242, 243 fluctuating. Um, and, and so that's been adequate enough for me. Obviously I don't have 240 pounds of lean body muscle mass. Uh, that'd be awesome. You would be um, jacked but as I, you <laughs> like that is on another level. We'll get there. We're going to get, oh, we're yeah. going to get there. Yeah. We're going to get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, so, but I, but I, I'm, I'm probably going a little bit over, but I probably could get away with 200 or 210 grams of protein per day. Uh, but I, I make sure I have adequate amount, amount enough protein. I, I don't stop until I get to 220. Um, and hitting protein goals is number one. Do the rest of your macros. What what you do with those is, is up to you and how you feel. Um, you know, again, as I mentioned and has been as mentioned many times, carbohydrates are you know my desired choice uh, for energy production. Try to stay less on fats. I don't go down to zero grams of fat or anything like that. But I'm usually in the sixty to eighty range of grams of, of grams of fat per per day, and then usually in like the you know two fifty to three hundred range of grams of, of carbohydrates. But you know those those that 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 structure that you have will allow you to get the desired results but the last thing i'll, I'll mention on this um topic is that you have to be patient right um this takes a long time uh it's a lot of effort uh but you will get used to it and changing your habits to support this is the most important piece you're making those small changes in your lifestyle to allow you to accommodate these specific things Again, you know, just by counting calories, just by understanding what my calories should be per day and just understanding how much protein I should make is is a huge step in the right direction of what you should be doing to be successful with this, right? And then obviously incorporating resistance training and those different types of things. Um we'll get a lot of questions in the in the chat room about, hey, what you know, how do I keep why do I keep starting and then I stop and I just can't get back into it and all those other things. And um there was a good Huberman Labs podcast on this around changing patterns of behavior and creating habits. And, you know, the way that our brains are wired, 
you know, the, the habits that we do today are set in our brains as habits that we do. It's things that we do as regular tasks. We're used to doing them on a regular basis. To build new habits takes time. It's not like we can just pick up a habit and all of a sudden now we're, we're good to go, unless it's something obviously like drugs or something like that, that immediately gives us like a huge dopamine spike or, you know, is, is, is getting those addictive qualities in our, on our, our, on our bodies, like alcohol, but things to that effect. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Recommended to, no, no, do no. Don't do drugs. Um, especially kids don't do drugs. Um, but, uh, so, so habit forming is one of those things. I was actually, it was interesting today, um, when I was doing the, my, the final part of my, my workout, I was, uh, doing BFRs, uh, blood flow restrictions. And, you know, as I'm going up, um, it's, it's, it's painful in the sense of my muscles are fatigued. It burns. Um, you know, it's not the greatest feeling in the world, but as I'm sitting there doing it, I'm like, man, I love this shit. Like, this is awesome. You know, this is great. I love this feeling that I'm out there kicking my ass and making myself stronger. Uh, and, and you, you, in a sense, get addicted to that type of, of feeling and reaction, right? It becomes your own habit of what you like doing. And so your brain actually rewires itself to say, this is good. Uh, this is what we want. And our bodies do respond well to stress. And that's really important is that our neural pathways, um, how we, how our body responds and how we start to, to, to build uh, good quality habits are done through stress and putting our body under stress is one of the most important things that I can heavily recommend in resistance training being number one. Yeah. And actually the point that I was going to bring up was about the, the Jocko clip. If you look at the top of his YouTube about where he says, you know, whenever there's always a problem, he says good. And I was just listening. I'm going to say I was listening to the end of the Huberman lab Jocko podcast, but I'm not anywhere near the end, but they talk about that, you know, his sort of thought process is when anybody used to come to him with a problem or a stress or something that was negative, he would say good. And it's because the, there will be a lesson in that, or there'll be a stress in that that will make him stronger for next time. And it's actually, again, funny that you mentioned, like whenever you're in that sort of, whenever you're training and it sucks because it's sore, you could just stop. You could, because you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I want to stop. But once you get past that, and it's that exact, I've had this exact moment this week, and I will credit your um, your June playlist is it, <laughs> it, it takes me to a different place than like Rihanna hip hop R and B stuff. It takes me to a different place. But anyway, long story short, so you're not, and I'm like, this sucks. But if you lean into it and good, and you push that a little bit harder, the feeling that you get after is much better. And again, yeah. Andrewman says about the the issue that we have with dopamine at the minute is it's so readily available where we don't actually yep. work for it. Whereas if you put your body under that stress and you get the dopamine hit because you've worked for it, it's much more valuable rather than me watching, I'm not saying out loud, but you, the gift that you send in the chat that nobody should ever see, but getting the, <laughs> getting the dopamine hit from the memes, if you're just scrolling through social media, do you know what I mean? Um, another point actually on that, on that podcast is he talks about goal setting and he talks about almost the, your, how you frame it. So instead of like, he takes it to the extreme. Okay. Yes. So this is an extreme example, but instead of being like, okay, if I lose weight, I'll be 10 pounds lighter and I'll feel great. Take it to the extreme and make it a fear as to if I don't do this, I will have high blood pressure. I could get diabetes and I might die. And he says that the studies on, on framing goals around fear of not accomplishing it or fear of failure is far more powerful than just writing it down because it's something that you feel like would be cool to achieve. So I thought that was an interesting one today too. Yes, yeah, there's, there's definitely something to be said about the readily available 
availableness of dopamine, right? And yeah. it's actually, I think, caused a major issue in our society because, you know, instead of having to work for something, i.e. going out and hunt for food or, you know, to, you know, contribute to your own tribe, you know, that's that's how dopamine traditionally worked back when we were, you know, in early stages of our development of, of humanity. And that, that tribe aspect of things, which we've talked about before on the podcast, is how we typically survive. It's how we, you know, fended off much more superior animals that could kill us very easily. You know, by banding together by tribes, we could fight them off or kill them, uh, you know, protect ourselves at night and our, our young ones, um, you know, be able to go out and forage for food or hunt animals to be able to get those, to be smarter than the animal, even though they may be faster than us or stronger than us. Um, that's where dopamine was the reward system for was, by going out and actually accomplishing something, you were able to get a reward. Now, you look at what has happened with technology, and it's instant gratification reward, and our bodies don't know the difference. So, you know, we're getting a reward for somebody saying, hey, good job by hitting that like button. That's that, 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 you know, and you get that notification uh, box that pops up on Twitter. And all of a sudden now you're like, oh, hey, somebody responded to me. Let's go to that real quick. You're continuously getting dopamine, bring it back to you. And what's actually interesting about, social media that I've started doing um, is is uh, checking it less frequently, um, going to more of like a three to four times a day versus, you know, continuously off the board um, like I used to, just trying to hinder myself from not being as active. Now, I don't always, it doesn't always work. Sometimes I might be active because I'm working out and I have it in place, but trying to minimize the immediate gratification and dopamine inhibiting that's happening. It's, it's a problem with our kids. It's a problem with us as adults. Um, the, example that, yeah. the example that he used was this is how you sort of fall down the, the rabbit hole of, of watching endless videos on YouTube or Facebook or wherever you watch videos that you see a funny video and that gives you a dopamine hit and then you watch seven other videos that are okay and you're like searching for that hit for the next one. So that's why we have a short attention span. We're like, that one's shit, that one's shit, well, that one's shit, that one's shit. You're searching for the next one and then yeah. a funny one, dopamine hit. Again, shit one, shit one, shit one, shit one. And that's how you just fall down the rabbit hole. And that's why like all those sort of like reels on Instagram and TikTok videos and stuff like that, they need to grab your attention right away. Or you're just like, nope, 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 nope. Which is a total shit show for attention span yeah. and everything. Well, and it's 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 very similar to what the same type of effect are for, for drugs. You know, drugs, you know, shoot. Don't do drugs. Don't do Don't drugs. Do drugs shoot, you know, dopamine into your body and give you this intense feeling of gratification. Um, same thing that we're experiencing now from our kids and from everybody else where we're having this intense feeling of gratification. What happens when you don't get immediate gratification or immediate response back throughout the rest of your life? You start to become depressed. You start to, you're running to all these societal issues that we're seeing here with our, our kids growing up. So, you know, this all has a major impact in how we um, are as humans. And that's why there's so many different studies on the impact that um, resistance training, cardio, uh, any type of stress on your body um, has a positive increase in your mental capacity and your overall outlook in life uh, and the reduction of depression. Because we're, we're actively working for something and accomplishing something that allows us to recover, uh, to make ourselves stronger or to do something different than we haven't done before. And um, that's ultimately, you know, again, you know, we, I know my goals, longevity of life, get jacked AF, but at the end of the day, I want to be happy in life. And one thing I can positively say is that, you know, once I started doing weight training, optimizing my body, understanding how it works, you know, doing the things that I need to do, I've never been happier in my life. Um, you know, my mental clarity and acuity is at an all-time high. 
my energy levels are through the roof. My ability to work with my kids and to be there as part of, as a father, um, you know, has has been through the roof. So all of these these key things have absolutely made it so that that you know exercise is being the staple of that, and and the nutritional aspects being a staple of that, and how I look at my body being a staple of that is the ultimate you know outcome for most folks that that come through this process is you're gonna be happier you know you're gonna love life more you're gonna be a better husband or a better you know wife you're gonna you know or whatever you know uh you know a better partner you know there's so many aspects of this that that impact your day-to-day life that it's not just going out there and hitting the weights and you know grunting and you know screaming and you know not being able to put your pills in your mouth you know there's there's so many benefits that outweigh any any type of negative and it's a matter of getting yourself into that cycle to do it so my my biggest thing for you for folks that are struggling getting into it is just fucking do it for a month you know just do it for a month and don't go crazy don't do it seven days a week do three days a week start small you know, and then if more time affords you, grow on that, you know, but start doing it three times, a, you know, a week, you know, get 12,000 steps in or 10,000 steps in a day and, and just build off of that and see how that works for you. But do it for a long extended period of time and force yourself to go. That is ultimately going to make you a better person uh, and ultimately down the road, allow you to be more consistent with everything. Yeah. And it is just a case of, and we've talked about this before, actually just start and you didn't start doing the things you didn't start doing the things that you're doing now like we didn't go from that like we started with anybody who's not watching dave's just done a runner um we started with three days a week and then we built upon we built upon that and now obviously over time you know it it is like that you're addicted to that feeling of feeling good and that's why you don't want to take rest days and that's why you don't want to take a deload week because you're like well this is part of my life now like you're not gonna you're not gonna tell me to take a deload week from put my boxers on or brushing my teeth. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it literally comes down to that sort of thing. So it, it isn't the case of you need to start at the level that we're at. You know, you think about it with chapters of the book, we're probably on the next volume of series of books. If you're starting from your chapter one, just start wherever that needs to be. It doesn't even need to be weighted resistance training, but there are definitely things that you can do right away that you will feel the benefits of a better quality of life straight off the bat if you just actually take action and actually one quote that i was listening to another podcast today um and it was a whoa quote. whoa whoa you're listening to another podcast uh, come on you can only I, listen I, to I, I tell, or... yeah yeah i told no. you i told you i always listen to the diary of a ceo that's the only other one that i listen to are you, are you listening uh, to the liver guy as well the liver guy was on a different podcast okay he's okay, okay. Funny. He's funny. <laughs> um but yes basically long story short it it was about people who they build, and we've talked about this before, but it's people who, who build their self-worth around being a victim. And the quote comes from Stephen Hawking and he says, no one's going to help me if I don't help myself. And obviously, you know, you know, this, this story with him, like it's, you know, he couldn't do anything for himself, but nobody would have helped him if he hadn't asked or he hadn't wanted to do the help for himself. So if you aren't happy with anything, if you're unhappy with how you look, how you feel, your job, your relationship, anything at all, no one's going to fix that for you and no one's going to give you help unless you yep. start doing it yourself. And that's literally what it comes down to. It's the best and the worst thing because, okay, you may feel like you're in a shitty situation now, but you're fully in control of that. So you just need to start doing whatever you need to do to make change to come out the other side of it. The greatest foundation for yourself is and when you've hit rock bottom, right? You know, you build a house off of a foundation and, you know, and when you're, when you're at a rock bottom point, in your life, it's now time to build that foundation to be successful. And that's gonna come from you. 
Um, that's going to come from you changing it. It's, it's time to stop feeling sorry for yourself and it's time to get off your ass and move. Um, and, and ultimately you'll be a much happier person because of that. And, you know, again, it's not easy all the time. I mean, Saturday, I, I told the story, I think earlier, but Saturday I felt like total shit. I didn't want to lift. I, you know, just was not, I was just exhausted because, you know, I had tournaments, you know, a whole weekend with my kids and I was, you know, there until 11 o'clock at night. And then I'd get to bed at, you know, one, and then I'd have to wake up at 7am or 6am to go back, you know, against this tournament. I was exhausted. I was tired. Um, my body wasn't fully recovered and you know what? I still went there and I hit the gym and, you know, I even thought about quitting. I was, talk I was talking to Ben as I was doing this. I'm like, listen, I I'm just not feeling it. I'll go back and do it tomorrow. And then I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll just do it with some arms. And then all of a sudden, you know, I broke a sweat and all of a sudden now my body's like, let's do this, you know, you know, so, you know, your own internal struggles are the, the ones that you have to fight yourself. Uh, no one else is going to fight them for you. No one's going to get you up and go to the gym. No one's going to pull you out of bed and say, you have to do this. You have to make them habits. You have to make them something you do every single day. They're non-negotiable. And that's, you know, I was talking to my buddy, Dave, um, who came over the other night. Oh, that's when we had the beers, beers night. Um, and he was, he was, you know, asking me, he's like, Hey, he's like, you, you like, do you miss days? Or like, do you just take, you know, I'm like, no, I, I don't because, it's, it's one of those things where one, I, I really enjoy doing it. I love waking up in the morning or in the afternoon after I've done something and to be able to go hit the weights and just be with myself as my own mental, you know, cave where I'm just, you know, fighting the iron and I'm fighting the, the, the weight gods. And it's just me, you know, versus myself. And I like that feeling. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's not negotiable. I have to do it. it, it there's no other reason. Like, I mean, Aaron knows that, Hey, I have an hour set aside for lifting some, not some nights in a day, you know, whether that's at night or in the morning, I prefer mornings, you know, but I, I have to get my lift on. There's, there's no option there, you know, any way, shape or form. So, you know, again, making these, these atomic habits, um, you know, allow you to really set yourself up for success and change your mind frame to be something different. And again, you know, when we were hunters back in the caveman days, we didn't have an option. It was either we went out and hunted or died. Right. And, and our families died. Our kids died. Our, our wives died. You know, like it, there was no option. You got food or you die. And so, you know, we don't have that, those struggles anymore. And so we create our own struggles in this world, which are minuscule in comparison to what we had to deal with, you know, being free, freezing to death or, you know, plagues or whatever the hell that was going on during those periods of time. Uh, other hunters. You know, other... <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Chased by a bear. Oh yeah, chased by a bear. Bears are definitely uh, one of those ones. I no, no, no. I'm, no. There's not, no way I'd want to be chased by a bear. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, I'm not fast. Of, wherever, whoever, regardless of how big I am, that bear's <laughs> effing me up. So, you know, um, but those 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 things don't exist anymore, and we have to put ourselves through those challenges based on how we're wired, how we were designed. Our evolutionary period has not caught up yet with. You know, our ability to have food readily available and delivered to our door, um, you know, for us to not have to go out and hunt and forage. Our lives are easy. I, you know, and I'm not saying we don't have stressors, you know, we don't have hard lives, things to that effect. But, I mean, the access to food, the access to thing, technology, um, you know, those are all things that we have available to us right now. And, you know, it's just up to us to force ourselves to go out there because we don't have to or, not, or else we're not going to die. It's not going to happen. But for me... It's, hey, I'm going out there or else I'm not going to hit my objectives that I want to as a person. And uh, those instilled beliefs make you a better person. I think for you, for you and for me, the way that I sort of describe it is it's, it's whenever motivation isn't enough and you need to have the discipline to do the things that you said you were going to do on the days that you don't want to do them. And that's literally yep. what it comes down to. And the thing about that for me is if you start 
breaking those promises to yourself, then you start recreating that narrative as you're a person who doesn't do the things you said you were going to do. Whereas if you just have a word with yourself, tell yourself to shut the fuck up and get on with it and go and do the things you said, then you're the sort of person that is reliable, will get shit done, does the things that they say they're going to do and ultimately is a better all round person. And it may seem like a small thing as to, oh, well, I just lay in today and didn't go to the gym, but it's the narrative that that then creates at the other side of that. Yeah, I mean, just the other day, going to Orange Theory, I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to go to Orange Theory. But it was not a, I, it was not a, I'm not going to Orange Theory. It was, oh, man, I don't want to go to Orange Theory. All right, let's get ready to go to Orange Theory. You know, that was it. There was no, I don't want, I don't want to go, but I'm already putting my trainers on. I'm already putting my trainers on. I'm getting my pre-workout in. There's no, there's no option. It's happening. So, you know, you, you don't have a choice. And that's how I rationalize myself to get through it. But, you know, again, motivation is obviously a big thing. Um, you know, being competitive with yourself is a good thing. Um, being competitive <laughs> and with everybody else around, and everybody else is a good thing. <laughs> as long as they don't know. As long as they don't know. Um, but you know, those things can, can help you, you know, tweak a little bit or get a little bit more out of you. But, you know, again, our whole point here in the podcast and wrapping things up is, you know, hopefully you took from this podcast that, you know, regardless of what body type you are or what position you are, if you're extremely overweight or extremely underweight or you want to get it to a certain type, you know, doing it methodically over time is the best way of doing these crash diets, things like that don't do not work. And they're just going to fuck you up. and You're not gonna be able to come off of them. You know, body recomp is all about small adjustments, small changes over time, and being disciplined enough to be able to handle those adjustments as you go along. Um, and that will ultimately make you uh, a much more successful person and get you to the desired results uh, to, to stay there as long as you know, as, as long as you stay with that system. Yeah, and I think the thing about it is like, whether you want to lose 100 pounds or gain 100 pounds, start with one. Start with losing one pound and then do that a hundred times. Start with gaining one pound and then do that a hundred times and break it down that way. Yep. Yep. Well, hey, appreciate appreciate listening to us today. Um, you know, check us out on social media. Um, you know, Twitter, everything else. The WeHack Health Community and Discord is is always popping. Um, you know, again, our whole goal here is to share information and knowledge with folks so that they can get better, live healthier lifestyles, um, and do everything we possibly can to to share that knowledge of our successes and our failures. Um, that's what it's all about. You know, I fail all the time, uh, so let's share those. Let's get better with it and uh, share your successes. But uh, really appreciate everybody listening today, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week.